Book Four, Chapter Seven of Clara Vaughan, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clara Vaughan, Volume Three by R. D. Blackmore. Book Four, Chapter Seven. Edgar Vaughan's story continued instead of enraging or maddening me as the writer perhaps expected this execrable letter did me a great deal of good i determined to lower that insufferable arrogance and brought all my thoughts to bear upon one definite object the recovery of my darlings and the punishment of that murderer i did not believe that he had destroyed them or was likely to do so for had not their mother's spirit referred to them as living without delay my yacht was prepared for a lengthened cruise the tower committed to marcantonia and the grey sentinel and with petro for my skipper i sailed on the following day alas the three months now elapsed during my delirium had they not like the sea itself closed across the track all the neighbours knew was this the felucca had passed point durolata and had been seen in the early morning standing away due south all the villagers and even the men from the mountain thronged the shore as i embarked and there invoked madonna's blessing on poor signor valentine so basely robbed of wife and children when we had rounded durolata we bore away due south and in less than fifteen hours made the sardinian shore in the gulf of asinara here we coasted along the curve inquiring at every likely place whether any such vessel had been sighted as that which we were seeking but we could learn nothing of her until we were off the gypsum cape where some fishermen told us that at or about the time we spoke of a swift felucca built and manned exactly as we had described glided by them and bore up for the town of alguero we too bore up for alguero and soon discovered that the roving vessel had undoubtedly been there even lepardo the captain was described by the keen sardinians but she had only lain to for a few hours and cleared again could carry and arrived there on the fourth day from cape girolata the pirates if such they were had offered their vessel for sale at cagliari but failing of a satisfactory price had sailed away again and after much trouble i found out that their destination was valletta to valletta also we followed feeling like a new boy at school who is mystified by the experts innocent of much greek themselves with a game which means in english send the fool on further when at length we reached the maltese capital where i was not sorry to hear once more my native tongue we found the felucca snugly moored near the merchant's yard and being refitted as a pleasure boat for a wealthy englishman this gentleman knew a good deal about ships but not quite enough pleased with the graceful lines and clean run of the felucca he had given nearly twice her value for her as he soon perceived when the ship carpenters set to work he was in the vein to afford all possible information being thoroughly furious with the condemnable pirates as he called them without the weakness of the composite verb 
who had robbed him so shamefully of his money he told me that my children had been ashore and harry was much admired and kissed in the floriana one thing the sailors did which would have surprised a man unacquainted with the corsicans or perhaps i should say the islanders of the mediterranean they decked my little babe with flowers and ribbons and bore her in procession to the church of st john of jerusalem and there they had her baptized for lepardo had found out that she had never undergone the ceremony i was anxious to see the record but was not allowed to do so therefore i do not know what the little darling's name is if she be still alive but they told me the surname entered was not vaughan but della croce it was said that the sailors had become very fond of her the little creature being very sweet-tempered and happy and a pleasing novelty to them very likely they named her after their own felucca the crew being now dispersed some to their homes and some on board ships which had sailed i was thrown completely off the scent all i could learn at a house which they had frequented was that lepardo the commander had long ago left the island whither or in what ship he had sailed they could not or would not tell me he had always plenty of money they said and he spent it like a prince but petro who was a much better ferret than i discovered or seemed to have done so that the kidnapper and murderer had taken passage for naples my heart fell when i heard it almost as easily might i have tracked him in london at naples i had spent a month and knew the lying ingenuity the laziness in all but lies of its swarming thousands however the little yacht was again put under way and after a tedious passage we saw the queen of cities here as i expected the pursuit was baffled i will not weary you with my wanderings off more often than on the track up and down the mediterranean and sometimes far inland if i marked them on a map however large the scale you would have what children call a crinkly crankly puzzle like lancashire in bradshaw once indeed i rested at the ancient tower near my lily's grave which i always visited twice in every year i have some vague idea now in my old age that though we vaughans detest any display of feeling except indeed at times when the heart is too big for the skin we are in substance without knowing it a most romantic race whether we are that or not is matter of small moment one thing is quite certain we are strutted well and stable we are not quick of reception but we are most retentive never was there man of us who ever loved a woman and cast her off through weariness never was there woman of our house who played the jilt when once she had passed the pledge of love and after all i have seen of the world and through my dark misfortune few men have seen more it is my set conclusion that strong tenacity is the foremost of all the virtues my enemy has it i freely own and through all his wickedness it saves him from being contemptible for a time as i said before i paused from my continual search and abode in the old grey tower that search now appeared so hopeless that i was half inclined to believe no better policy could be found than this some day or other the robber would surely return 
and lay claim to the lands of the Della Croce. At present he durst not do it, while under the ban of piracy and the suspicion of his uncle's murder. Moreover, I thought it my duty to see to the welfare of my children's property. Under the deed poll of the old signor, his friend at Prato, and myself were trustees and guardians. But I could not live there long. It was too painful for me to sit alone in the desolate rooms where my children ought to be toddling, or to wander through the shrubberies and among the untended flowers, every one of them whispering, Lily. Formerly I had admired and loved that peculiar stillness, that rich, deep, eloquent solitude, which mantles in bucolic grey the lawns and glades of Corsica. But when I so admired and loved, I was a happy man, a man who had affection near him, and could warm himself when he pleased. Now, though I had no friends or friendship, neither cared for any, solitude struck me to the bones, because it seemed my destiny. After striving for half a year to do my duty as a hermit signor, I found myself one dreary morning fingering my pistols gloomily and fitting a small bullet into my car. My thumb caught in the guard of the signor's locket and jerked it up my waistcoat. It was the same which the poor old man had pressed to his dying lips. There was Lily's hair and Harry's, and a tiny wisp of down since added belonging to baby, name unknown. Looking at them and seeing how Lily's bound them together, and to me, I felt ashamed of my cowardly gloom, and resolved to quit myself like a man in my duty towards the three. I rode at once to Prato, and persuaded Count Gaffori to come and live at the tower. Like his old friend the Signor, he had only himself and his lovely daughter to think of. But unlike Signor Dezio, he had lost nearly all his paternal property through political troubles. Therefore, it was for him no little comfort and advantage to be placed at the head of a household again, and restored to some worldly importance. Nevertheless, his sense of honour was so nice and exacting that I thought I should never succeed in bringing him to my views, and indeed I must have failed but for his daughter's assistance. A very sweet, elegant girl she was, and she had been a great friend of my Lily's. If I ever could have loved again, I should have loved that maiden, but the thing was impossible. The old Count promised to come and settle at Verduta Tower, which name in like days I had corrupted into Vendetta, and living there to assume the management of the estates in trust for my lost infants as soon as his arrangements could be made. I saw nothing that need have delayed him a day. However, he declared that he must have a month to get ready, and he was plainly a man whom nature meant not to be pushed. So I employed the interval in having my dear old lily-flower overhauled at Marseilles, coppered and thoroughly painted. I could not bear to alter our little love-boat, as my darling called it, even in outward appearance. But like our love, she had laboured through many a tempest. Unlike it, she needed repairs. However, I saved from the painter's brush our favourite quarter-deck bench, whereon, through the moonlight watches, my lily seemed still to recline. And so my life for some years wandered on, a worthless, unsettled, forlorn existence, only refreshed at intervals by return to the scenes of past happiness. 
if i had really wronged lepardo della croce he could hardly have wished for a better revenge but in truth i had never wronged him even if i had never come near his betrothed it is quite certain she would not have accepted him and he by his own desertion had left her free to choose late in the autumn of eighteen forty two when i had abandoned all hope of ever recovering my little ones except by one of those eddies of providence which we men call accidents and in which i place my confidence to this hour at that season i say i landed at gibraltar being wind-bound in the straits we were making for lisbon where i was to ship some english watches guns and fine cutlery for ahachio what a loss of rank for the lily-flower to turn her into a trading smack well i could not see it so and i am sure her late mistress who with all her sweet romance was an excellent hand at a bargain would have thought it far more below my dignity for me to sponge on our children there was plenty of money in hand at veduta tower but having retired from stewardship i did not feel myself justified in drawing upon my children therefore and for the sake of the large acquaintance and great opportunities gained i had renewed my connection with the firm of green bowler and green somehow i could not bear to revisit the shores of england otherwise i am sure that with the knowledge i now possessed of the mediterranean ports and a house of such standing and enterprise to back me i should quickly have made my fortune my vessel moreover was much too small for the fruit trade even if i could have lowered her to an uncleanly freight but she was just the craft for valuable goods in small compass i knew the corsican fondness for arms and first-rate cutlery and the tools the poor signor dezio meant to astonish me with certainly did astonish me by their wonderful badness true the material was good but all the waters of the restonica will not convert a hammer into a handsaw although hardware was not at all in his line of business peter green most kindly undertook to send me a cargo of first-rate sheffield and birmingham goods by a return fruit schooner these consigned to his lisbon agent i could fetch away as i pleased or wanted them having arranged with a shrewd merchant of ahachio to take my goods wholesale and save the dignity of all the vogani from haggling i had already made six trips and in spite of the most tyrannical duane perhaps in all the world i as a corsican importing goods in a corsican bottom had cleared very near three hundred per cent on my outlay we were now on our seventh voyage to reship the last of the second english consignment when a violent gale from the west met us right in the teeth and we were forced to bear up for the anchorage the first-rate sea-boat the lily flower was although she had been built for racing and for two or three years had beaten all competitors whenever there was wind enough for a cat to stand on the sheets but one hot june day she got beaten in a floating match when the lightest bung went fastest and her prig of a noble owner sold her in disgust and built a thing that drew as much water as a nautilus in her he was happily upset and could hardly find a sheet of paper to hold on by knowing some little about yachts and my pool and reach experiences i bought the famous racing cutter 
at about a quarter her value and even in these her olden days she could exhibit her taffrail to the smartest fruit clipper the name was just then invented that ever raced for the monument her register was fifty tons but she carried eighty landing at gibraltar i kept clear of my countrymen not that i disliked them but because well i cannot tell why and strolled away to the spanish and moorish quarters it was a windy evening and in front of a low refreshment house some sailors and spanish girls were dancing a squabble arose among them something i think it was about a young girl's dress knives were drawn and two men were stabbed in less than the time i am speaking i just saved the life of one just saved it by half an inch a fine-looking spaniard lay under a moor who had tripped him up in their quick way the point of the knife had flashed through the spaniard's shirt and his flesh was cut before the swing of my stick upwards luckily had jerked the moor off his body if i had struck downwards or a millionth part of a second later the blade would have stood in the heart but i knew those fellows by this time the moor lay senseless from the quick uppercut on his temples and the knife was quivering where the impulse had failed it now if petro and i had held deliberate choice proeresis oxford calls it not to be turned into knife sheaths our only chance of developing into action that undeniable process of nous was to be found in the policy vulgarly called cut and run at a shrill signal from ship and from shore the moors came swarming silently and swiftly their yellow slippers and coffee-coloured legs seemed to set upon springs by excitement some of the spaniards stood bravely by us and with their aid we hurried the wounded man into our boat and pushed off just in time unlike the corsican peasants our pursuers carried no firearms and before they could get any we were at safe distance having sent for an english surgeon we kept the poor sailor on board the yacht until he was quite out of danger we britons are not as a general rule an over grateful race we hate to be under an obligation and too often illustrate the great philosopher's saying that the doer feels more goodwill than the receiver of a kindness moreover the spaniards in the neighbourhood of the rock could hardly be expected to love us even if we were accustomed which it is needless to say we are not to treat them with decent courtesy therefore i was surprised at the deep and warm gratitude of this wounded man a thing that enhanced his debt to me for life in my opinion was very little to owe was that he loved a young girl the one over whom they had quarrelled and he was about to marry her discovering who i was for he knew nothing of me at first he saw that he could be of no little service to me the only obstacle was a solemn oath but from this he believed he could soon obtain release with an englishman's honest and honourable repugnance to any breach of faith i was long reluctant to encourage this absolution but the thought of my helpless children robbed of their inheritance and still worse of a father's love and dependent on the caprice of superstitious villain this and the recollection of my desolating wrongs overpowered all scruples and is it not a wiser course and more truly christian to port the helm 
than to cross the bowels of another man's religion at any rate so long as it be christian also though frogged in a pensioner's coat being duly absolved for which he would not allow me to pay the spanish sailor told me all he knew he had been lepardo's mate on many a smuggling run and in many an act of piracy off the coast of barbary but he had never liked his captain no one ever did though all the crew admired him as the cleverest man in the world after the felucca was sold and her crew dispersed the mate had followed for a while the fortunes of lepardo he told me things about him which i knew not how to believe however i will not repeat them because they do not seem to bear upon my story the name of my little girl he could not remember for he was not at the christening and she was always called the baby being a good-natured man he took kindly to the children and told me anecdotes of them which brought the tears to my eyes after two or three months spent at naples they all left suddenly for palermo on account as the mate believed of my unexpected arrival and here he lost sight of his commander for tired by this time of an idle life and seeing no chance of any more roving adventures he accepted a berth in a brig bound for the piraeus and now after many shifts and changes was first mate of a fruit vessel sailing from zante to london the most important part to me of all his communication was that on their previous voyage they had carried to england lepardo della croce and my two dear children that murderer and kidnapper had taken the lead in some conspiracy against the government of the two sicilies and through the treachery of an accomplice had been obliged to fly for his life disguising himself he contrived to reach gibraltar and took refuge on english ground he was now very poor and in great distress but still clung to the children of whom he appeared to be fond and who believed him to be their father the duobraciones touching there as usual for supplies lepardo met his old mate ashore and begged for a passage to england they took him to london and there of course lost sight of him he was greatly altered the mate said from the lepardo of old morose and reserved he had always been but now misfortune had covered him with a skin-deep philosophy but his eyes contracted and sparkled as of yore whenever my name was mentioned and the mate knew what his intention was in case he should find me a happy man the simple mate was still more surprised at the alteration in my children as pretty a pair he said as ever he set eyes on but they were kept most jealously from the notice of the crew and even from their ancient friends attentions they were never allowed to be on the deck except when the berths were being cleaned they seemed to fear their reputed father a great deal more than they loved him upon hearing this last particular i seized the mate by the hand and felt something rise in my throat i was so delighted to learn that the pirate had not succeeded in carrying nature by boarding the next day i left petro to see to the hardware business to which we were bound by charter while i set sail in the duobraciones for the arms of my darling little ones end of book 4 chapter 7